This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so glad you're here. Today, my guest is Dr. Carolyn Rubenstein. She is a psychologist. She got her master's from Harvard. Her undergrad is from Duke, and she got her PhD in counseling psychology from the University of Miami. She has been featured on The Today Show, Psychology Today, and the Boston Globe. She has a robust Instagram community where you can follow her. She gives helpful ways, practical ways to overcome anxiety and burnout over there. She's just Carolyn Rubenstein, PhD on Instagram. She does a really great job, but she works as a clinical psychologist day to day. And the Instagram thing is kind of her creative outlet where she can reach a larger community. So today in this episode, we talk about living beyond burnout, how to identify burnout and ways we can work to both prevent it and then I want to say dig ourselves out of it. I don't know how else to say that, but to move beyond it. That's probably how she would say it. We also talk about self-soothing and various ways we can self-soothe when things feel overwhelming. And I have a few questions about how to talk to our kids about that as well, because anytime I'm working on things for myself, I'm like, how can I teach this to my kids now so that they're not learning this at 40 like I am? Uh, This was a really great conversation. I left feeling hopeful and happy, and I hope you feel that too. If you do feel that way, please leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes. Um, That's a really great way potential new listeners can find us. And my hope is that if you find joy and encouragement out of this podcast, that other people can do the same. If you do love this episode, tag us on social media and share it with your friends. That's also a huge organic way, helpful way that uh, new people can find out about us, what we're doing over there. Um, We're just why is everyone yelling on Instagram? And I am lindsayhine626 on Instagram as well. Uh, Love to connect with you there. All right. Enjoy my conversation with Dr. Carolyn Rubenstein. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have Dr. Carolyn Rubenstein on the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat all things anxiety and burnout and soothing and overwhelm, all of it. All of it. And we have a Raleigh connection, which I love so much. I know my favorite place. I wish we were doing this in person so that I could actually be there with you and we could be sitting on Duke campus. (laughs) You went to Duke. So did you you lived in In Durham? Durham. Okay. Yes. yes, Yeah. But did you come over to Raleigh often? Of course. That was the hot spot. (laughs) And it was, it was just starting to become, you know, the booming spot. And the growth has been obviously, you know, exponential. We're part then. of that. We just moved here two years ago. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We moved here from Indiana. So we're oh. part of like, like maybe the people that have lived here forever, like, oh, you're part of the problem. Like we, no, we're I getting too a, big. It's amazing. I love it. It's a, it's really such a special place. And I think once you go there, you realize that there's just something about it and the people and the outdoor. It's just incredible. 
Yeah, we have a really good green greenway system that I like. How did I live without this before? Right, right. Are you trying to get me to move? Because I'm, I'm yeah. kind of, I'm kind of getting there now. <laughs> Already, we moved away from our family, and oh. I know you mentioned like you wouldn't want to leave where you live because yeah. your family, and it, it that has been really hard. And I don't know that I would have done it when my kids were any younger. Yeah, but I also felt like we had to if we were going to move. Like that was the time because. Um, my oldest was nine and I was just like, I don't want them to get any older and like right. move them in the middle of middle school or high school. Yeah. No, it was a, kind of a great age to move and to start. And yeah, very smart. But then again, it's like, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Regardless, regardless. of when I, it's, mo- of when it's mostly us. Like it's the parents yeah. that struggle. The kids are usually pretty resilient. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your work. I'm really excited about some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So I work a lot with anxiety, burnout, perfectionism, um, and how this all tangles together and kind of creeps its way into our everyday lives. So how it shows up in everyday moments more so than, you know, break big psychological concepts. I like to kind of talk real, real life um, and how we can overcome some of these patterns and default ways of, of being so that we can actually enjoy life, enjoy the moments and not be kind of crippled by some of these icky feelings that can tend to creep up. Okay. This is, I feel like this is going to be like a harsh thing to start with when I say oh, this, but like <laughs> I, I sometimes I struggle with having these feelings because I'm like, Lindsay, first world problems. I'm just like, come on in the grand scheme of things. Like you're stressing out about this, this, and this. And like, it's really not that big of a deal. So then I have this like guilt mm-hmm. for having those feelings. Oh yeah. That's like the most you know common I mean? thing. Yes. The okay. judging of your feelings. We all do it. It's horrible. It's horrible because you're almost like, if you just hear what you just said, you're like bullying yourself. Yeah. Right. You're saying you are having these feelings regardless. They're there. And then you're judging yourself for having these feelings. Like why are you, why do you deserve to have these feelings? This is yeah. awful. Right. Versus the other, the other way, which is, I'm having these feelings. It feels icky, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna approach them. I'm gonna deal with them, and kind of versus the like critical approach, being more compassionate um, when you approach the feelings, because that's the easiest way to kind of even bypass them and get through them. Versus kind of really when you start criticizing yourself, you're adding in the guilt. You're adding in more negative feelings, and it all kind of balloons and gets bigger. So that's that's one of the biggest things that it's a really easy fix. It's hard. Okay. It's hard, but it's it's an easy fix when you notice it to be like, okay, I, I just did the guilt trip. I apologize to myself for that guilt trip. And I'm gonna try a different approach. Like it's okay to have these feelings. It's okay. You know, almost like how you'd approach your child if they said they had these mm-hmm. feelings. You likely wouldn't say get over it, like you shouldn't have those feelings. You would say, okay, let's, you know, it's okay to have those feelings. You know, everyone has tough feelings and it's okay. And you don't have to do anything about them. You can just notice them rather than kind of sit in them and, you know, feel bad about them. I've been trying really hard to do that with my kids to say, okay, I see that you're mad. I see that you're angry. That is okay. It is not okay that you slam that door in my face. (laughs) Like I've been trying to like validate the feeling and then also say, and we can't do this. 
Right. Yes. So that's hard. So in that's the really mo- hard. It's really hard because in the moment when a child is angry, they're not able to think logically. Yeah. So you're not able to really like validating the feeling is is great in in that moment is a like, great theoretically. But I have kids too, so like I I would have probably said like this is what you should do before I had kids. But I know the slamming in the face <laughs> the door, so I know what actually you know they're like that's not gonna they're not gonna listen to that because their emotional brain is on fire. Yeah. And they're emotionally thinking and so it's, it's pretty much like all right we just need to de-escalate that emotion before we do any like teaching oh, or learning so like how do we get that anger down um yeah. first so let's get that anger down and then it might be they slam the door and they need five minutes in their room to kind of come back to reality and they kick and scream in their room for that five minutes but then it's like okay you're angry like let's talk about it and when you're angry, like, these things are not okay to do, right? Yeah. Slamming a door. I get that you want to do that when you feel this way, but there are other ways to respond to the feeling. But you can't do anything like that when they're in the emotional state. So it's really separating the emotional part and the logical part and really starting with the emotion, especially with kids because, yeah, it's so hard to kind it's of try so to do both. hard. Yes. <laughs> it's so interesting, too, because I – a common theme for me with that is like I really struggle with people's judgment of thinking I let my kids walk all over me mm-hmm. and that I don't have a handle on it. Oh, and so yeah. even when those things happen in my home where nobody else can see it, I almost think it's a trigger because I think, well, what if this happens in front of a bunch of people and they think I'm a pushover and that I don't have control over my kids and I'm letting my kids like run rampant. And I don't I don't know where that comes from in my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think it's because if you worry about other people thinking it, it's likely that you worry about that yourself. Yeah. Right. You, it's likely that you have that fear for yourself, mm-hmm. that you are judging yourself because yeah. we judge ourselves mm-hmm. the most intensely of mm-hmm. everyone. So if it's, if for example, if I'm worried that people will see me as um, too harsh with my kids mm-hmm. or too strict it's likely that I have the belief that I might be or judging myself that I am too harsh or too strict um, and putting that on other people unless it's something that is being said to me by others, you know, over and over again. But I think examining like that belief in ourselves first, because especially if it's showing up at home um, when other people aren't around, it's likely that there's something inside of you that's feeling like, that's coming up. And it, it doesn't mean that it's true, but it means like, okay, I need to actually look at this feeling or this belief and examine it. And once you get to a place where you're like, I actually don't truly believe that it's coming from this other place, you won't be as triggered. It will be something that you've already like dealt with. It's not like a raw, open wound. Um, mm. So you explore it for yourself first. That's really good. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like you want people to witness you doing it well, like yeah, the parenting. Course, right? and, and then, yeah, it's like, it's so funny because I can like be the mom with my kids, like half dressed, no shoes on, filthy as can be, climbing on cars. And I don't worry about judgment of that stuff. But if, if I, they're back talking me or anything like that, and I don't look like I ha- know what to do, then <laughs> that's the judgment. And you're right. It's probably because I'm triggered because – I don't truly know what to do. And then I feel like I don't have control. Right, right, exactly. And then that's where it gets, it kind of, you know, like balloons out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like and the outside. Gets, yeah. Exactly. But I think also remembering, like, if you see another mom going through that and 
like what remind yourself, okay, if I were in the situation, I saw a mom dealing with this and that's what, you know, she went through, likely you want to go and give that mom a hug and be like, yes. I'm because it's like, honestly, those moments are the ones where we're like, okay, I'm not alone in this. Other people yeah. struggle too, versus going to like, oh, she's a bad mom or she doesn't know how to handle this. Yeah. More so our thoughts are like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm not the only one who deals with totally. this. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. It's such a relief when I see other people dealing with those situations because I'm yeah. like, because I feel seen. Right. Yeah. Because we're, we all struggle. Like every single one of us parenting is so hard. It is, it is a daily, like you can figure things out one day and the next day it's a whole new game. And you're like, this is a different puzzle. This is a different puzzle. Yeah. And it's like every, it's not even every age, it's every week. Mm-hmm. It's like this week there's like, you know, it is hard. It is very hard. And I think as long as we try and we show up and we're present and we give our best, that's all that matters. Yeah. You know, and we judge ourselves so much more harshly than our kids do. Mm, that's Which a good, is, great point. Yeah. So much. It's just, you know, it's wild if we ever ask our kids like, oh, like after a weekend where you think like, oh, I was such a bad parent this weekend or I didn't do enough with them or they, whatever it was. And you ask them how, you know, how was the weekend for you? I did this recently with my daughter because I felt like my husband was out of town. I was with my kids. I was pulled at every Every I had nothing in me, so I was like, "Oh, I totally let them down this weekend. I did nothing with them. It was so boring. Like I was, I lost my temper." She's like, "It was so fun. I love when we did. Like we went for the walk." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, okay." <laughs> I thought she would take away like all the things that I took away, uh-huh. but she took away just like it was. I was present, and we did these random things that she remembered, and. It's so interesting to kind of have that that little litmus test of like, well, what do my kids think? Um, is it might be very different from what you're feeling and seeing. Okay, I have a question with that though. What, how would you feel if your daughter was like, "Yeah, sucked." <laughs> I was prepared for that. That's what I, was, <laughs> I was really that's what I thought, and I was prepared to, for that more so because I was like, "Okay, I really need to like repair from yeah. this weekend." Because <laughs> like I obviously have damaged her for life. That's what was going through my head. So I was prepared for her to be like, "It was the worst weekend of my life." <laughs> I don't think I can. She's only five, but I was prepared for that, um, and she's very honest. Yeah. And if that would have happened, I would have like, "Yeah, it was really hard." It was really hard for mommy too. And like, but you know, I love you. And like, and you know, kind of talking about it, but validating that it was a hard weekend. Um, but she's didn't see it the same way as me. And so I didn't want her, I wasn't going to put my emotions on her there. I feel like it was tough to be your parent this weekend. <laughs> um, but I was, if that were the case, I would have just said, yeah, it was. It was a hard weekend. That's so good. I love that. Yeah, I think that like humanizes us as parents. I always talk about like, I feel that until I had my own kids even into my 30s that I never really looked at my parents as like humans outside of being parents. Right? Like they're crazy. I know. And I try to remind my kids of this all the time that like we're humans and Uh they don't really still get it. (laughs) Like, no, I have my own life too. Like I'm not just your parent and they don't really get that concept. I don't think they will till they have kids too. Right. I can't tell you how many times I'm like, they'll be needing a million things and I'm like stuffing my face with something and I'm like, I'm a human too. My yeah. body also needs fuel. Yes. <laughs> like, or sleep to, or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. It's so interesting. But like, yeah, if you look back, it's like, I didn't look at my parents as humans no. either. No. no. 
All right, friends, have you heard about lash therapy by Hello Skincare? This is an amazing lash serum that helps moisturize and condition your eyelashes. I cannot believe the volume and the fullness and the length all the things that my eyelashes are doing since I started using lash therapy. I didn't believe it would work so well, but this is a deep conditioning lash serum that uses a unique blend of peptides, vegan stem cells, vitamins, and amino acids to fortify and amplify the appearance of lash length and fullness. It works. They say you will see major results within 60 days. I say 30. I swear I started noticing results within a week. Even my mascara applies better. The whole situation is better. Paraben-free, cruelty-free, vegan-friendly, phosphate-free, silicone-free, and sulfate-free. Okay? These are some legit products. They also have a C-serum and a nighttime machine serum that I love so much. I use all three. You're going to start somewhere, though. Definitely start with the lash therapy. It's amazing. Everybody's talking about vitamin C serum, though. So if you are looking for a good C serum, this is a great place to start. Uh, I can save you 15% when you go to helloskincare.com and use the code LindsayH20 for 15% off your order. That's helloskincare.com. Use the code LindsayH20 for 15% off your order. All right, friends, back to the show. Um, so let's talk about burnout though. Yeah. We started the conversation with like, I feel guilty for like even feeling that way because I, I feel like I know relative to the world, yeah, my life is easy. So then I have those feelings of guilt. Yes. So we talked about how we treat that with compassion mm-hmm. take a couple steps back. Yes. But then what do we do? Like, how do we actually address it once we realize it's okay that I have these feelings and it's valid? Yeah. So the question is like, how to deal with guilt more so or? I think the burnout. The burnout. Now okay. that we've come to like, it's okay to feel that way. Okay. Yeah. So burnout really, when we talk about burnout, we're really talking about like there's like three different parts that we think about. And I think a lot of people, I especially see a lot of moms who don't actually realize they're experiencing this. And so they'll be feeling this guilt. They'll be feeling all these triggers and not realizing it's because they're completely tapped out mm-hmm. and they are completely depleted. And so I think step one is just understanding like, what is burnout? What does that look like? And so there's really three parts and you don't have to have all three parts, but like if you're like, oh, I have pretty much, you know, a lot of this, you're kind of leaning towards the burnout um, end of things, which is okay. You just need to recognize it and kind of talk through what to do. But it's that physical and emotional exhaustion, right? So you just feel completely depleted, drained. Sleeping is not going to – getting a good night of sleep is not going to make you feel energized and all better. It's not really about that. It's more so like a deeper sense of just true – drain and exhaustion that can show up also like in depression and irritability and you know anxiety and all of those things kind of go under there um the second part is cynicism and detachment so becoming like really cynical and kind of disconnected from the moment from your kids from your from friends from anything just kind of you're there but not really experiencing it um and pretty cynical like oh nothing I do, nothing matters or, you know, 
kind of feeling that sense of, you know, just feeling down. Um, and the last part is a decreased sense of accomplishment, mm. which is feeling like there's no end in sight. I'm not getting anything done. I'm on this hamster wheel and nothing's happening. And I'm just going to feel like this forever. <laughs> so it's that having, you know, it's kind of there's degrees, but it's those three parts and having them all in combination, which ultimately a lot of a lot of people do. And they come in and they it's it's so hard because people believe the only way to get better is to kind of like exit your life, right? Like the only way for me to get better is to like go away for a month. We have this fantasy of like, I'll just go away for a month somewhere to a cabin in the woods and I'll be all better. Um, But it's not, it's not. And I think if you think about it, like a car, for example, like a car that's gas, the tank is empty. You can't pull over for a month and the tank will refill mm. on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's the same sort of concept when your tank is completely depleted and drained or even getting towards that red light kind of getting emptier. It's like, okay, how do I begin to refuel? What do I need to refuel? And that really looks different for a lot of people and what their lives look at look like. But it's starting to recognize even before, if you don't have burnout, what fuels me? What makes me feel, you know, more energized, more present, more connected? What are those things? Um, and so beginning to understand what that looks like and what those things are. Um, and that's pretty much like, that's what I talk about so much, like on my Instagram and um, in all of my, all of my, my course and my free downloads on burnout. It's pretty much like how to figure out like what fuels you and then how to implement implement that into your day regardless of what your day looks like. Mm. So if you are a parent who's busy 24-7, you can squeeze in these fueling things in two-minute increments if you need to. Or if you have larger chunks of time figuring that out and really beginning to kind of work backwards and become more preventative, but also just have the knowledge of what will help me if I get to that point? And also, what can I do to prevent that from happening? How can I be, make sure that I am fueling myself? And then the other end of it is what drains me? What are the things that take away my energy, make me feel disconnected, really make kind of exacerbate these feelings and understanding that? Because if you know, and if you look at your calendar, well, this coming week, I have a lot of those draining things on my plate. You're going to have to be proactive and put more of those fueling, you know, things on as well, because you want to prevent that burnout from happening because you will be, you will be drained. And so it's like, okay, how do I, how do I refill my cup um, when that happens? And so it's really kind of understanding for yourself and working with yourself rather than just being on autopilot and letting Mm -hmm. things just happen to you. How do you suggest people go about doing that? I think one of the, you know, I started therapy in December and I think one of the reasons I put it off for so many years is that I was afraid it wouldn't help. And I was like, I'm going to spend all this money, all this time, all this energy, like getting it all out and I'm not even going to be any better. And so I wonder if people feel that way about this system, like, if I even try, like, what if it doesn't help? So I don't try at all. Right. I mean, that's the great thing about this and like understanding it can't hurt, right? It literally will not hurt you. Um, So you can go in with the mindset of like, this isn't going to help me. Um, That's fine. But, you know, 
prove yourself wrong. See if you can prove yourself wrong. I've worked with enough people going through intense burnout that I do. It works. And I've been burnt out myself. So I know it's kind of where I got into this myself. And it does work. You don't have to. It doesn't have to be this magical, like, potion that fixes you it's it's a lot less glamorous than that Mm -hmm. um and it takes it does take work and i think that's why it's important to put things in place before you get there so that you're almost looking out for future you of like okay like let's say future me does get to that place like how am i going to take take care of her now um and make sure that you have like a plan in place of things that you can do and what helps you and figuring that out and it's a lot of questions that you can ask yourself in terms of like when when do I feel energetic when do I feel most present like asking yourself these questions throughout the day and almost taking a um an audit of your calendar of how you're feeling and you can like use little colors or numbers of like okay this was this was good you know right after like positive or negative and just like begin slowly beginning to audit like what you're doing and how it's making you feel you can start there and have like a a draining versus fueling list and then go from there and start to add and get curious and I do like I I have two free downloads on my thing that are really like will take you through exactly how to do that and then one of them is solely burnout and the other one is about self-soothing which gives you a lot of ideas for fueling um, things that you can add in. So it's really takes you like through all of that. Um, but it's asking yourself questions, getting curious, um, and really looking at thinking. And if it's hard, I think the hard part is also putting the attention on yourself, right? Like I'm spending the time on yourself to take care of yourself. Cause I think most of us would do this for our kids or mm-hmm. for a loved one, but have a hard time saying like, I'm going to do this for me. Um, and that's where it's like, okay, I'm going to do this for me because sometimes we can trick ourselves into doing this because I need to be there for my kids. I need to be there for my loved ones. I need to have the energy to, and the stamina to keep going. And sometimes that's our kind of the back backdoor entrance into taking care of ourselves is to trick ourselves that we're kind of doing it um, to be a better parent, be there for our kids when it's really just for us. So whenever I'm thinking through this, though, I'm thinking like, what could I have maybe learned as a child Mm -hmm. to already know some of these things? Mm -hmm. And so then it makes me think like, how should I be then? Okay. Yes. Modeling it and doing it for myself, but then like translating that into like teaching my kids. Yeah. I think like, so example, my son, he has homework every night and it, that's, he does, he likes some of his homework. Um, some of it he likes and he doesn't feel drained or fueled by it. It's kind of neutral. <laughs> we would go with a neutral. And I think he's, he's very aware of that. Um, but his, some homework he has is very, he wants to resist it with everything in him. And so it's about kind of then looking at what he loves, which right now is like basketball. So, okay, we're going to do a half of the thing that he does not love at draining and go play some basketball re-energize and he knows that so it's like okay I did that he literally has a basketball picture of basketball he'll color in a piece of it to know that he did it and then he can like go play and then he does the other half and then he knows the rest of the homework is not so bad and feels better but it's like starting to let them recognize Mm -hmm. that like okay did something hard let me do something that feels better feels a little easier feels energizing um versus 
I'm going to just do something hard and torture myself. That's the way it should be, you know, and just get depleted and no, recognize this is hard. This is draining. You feel kind of, you know, down afterwards. What can you do to help yourself? And can you explain like how all of this is like different than what society would call like self-care? Yeah. So self-care is something that we do more so as like just regular routine, you know, things that we do that feel good to make us feel better, um, taking time for ourselves. It's not really in response mm. to something. So this is more so in response and more um, specific to situations and how we are feeling. Whereas self-care, you can, you can schedule that into your calendar. With this, it's a little harder to do as specific. And this changes too. Some days it might not be something very active afterwards. It might be, you know, I want to read a book or I want to lay down. Um, And so it's really looking and thinking about what do I need right now? And that's a big question. And it's a question you can help your kids begin to look at and think about. It's like, okay, what do you need after that? What would feel, what would feel helpful for you? And brainstorm and think about it and you know, help them to just start to be curious about themselves and their energy and their focus and all of that. And, you know, it's not going to be a perfect science, but I think just the curiosity and the, the conversation can be really helpful. Sometimes I'm just like, I, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. Like my mom always says like, oh, I just like did things because I just like had to survive. Like I was like working part time at Pizza Hut and, you know, just like, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't over- have time to overthink anything. And so sometimes I'm like, are we overthinking too much? Or like, is this just like such a gift that we have all this information now? And sometimes I wish I could like hide from everything and just live on a farm and be like, what if I had, not, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's challenging. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm so grateful for like all the knowledge that we have now, but would it be simpler if I just had to do it's such an interesting question and it's so hard because I ask myself the same question is hard because I'm a psychologist. So it's like I have even more information <laughs> and more totally. examples. So I'm like, wouldn't this be would this be easier if I didn't know so much in this area? Right. Um, and you know, and I think for me it's when I know more, I feel more confident and I feel more regardless of the outcome, I approach things feeling a, a greater sense of ease with more information. Um, what that more information looks like, though, is like you have to set limits with how much information you gather. Mm. And so if, if you're a perfectionist or someone like that, you want to make sure that you're not over consuming information about this, right? So that's a big one, too. So for that's me, huge. yeah, for me, I have to, you have to kind of believe, especially with parenting, like at the end of the day that you know enough that you trust yourself. Mm. There are no magical mm-hmm. solutions that just work for every kid. Um, That's right. There, there aren't. Every psychologist kid has all the same issues, um, has all the same struggles. There are no magical wave a wand, you know, fixes because I would have, I would have found them. <laughs> I've looked hard enough. That's, yeah, that's, that's so interesting you say that because I always struggle because I have four kids and like, I always struggle when, an expert has like one or two kids. Cause I'm like, wait a minute though. Like I have four different personalities yes, that's and a like lot. maybe that's worked for your one or two kids, but like I've got two more here that like are totally different than that. And you know, I also know that these people are like 
using their education, right. not just their real life experiences with their own kids. Yeah. But I do struggle because I'm like, until you've been in that situation where that kid is in front of you and you are the one that has to parent them, it is really hard to be like, you get it. You yeah. know that this could work. Yeah, it's very, it's very hard. And no one knows until, and I think that's the thing that's like building your confidence is like as a parent, we tend to like catalog all the ways that we, the things that we don't do right or as well. And we don't take, take note of everything we are doing well. And I think that's a big thing that can be helpful if you have that negative kind of filter is to help like put take a high mental highlighter and remind yourself of the things that are going well that you are doing right or feel confident in um because it can be helpful because sometimes we really do just focus on the the places that we're struggling we do why do we do that to ourselves i bet you talk to people about that all the time oh yes that's like that's our because we tend to have a negative like bias in our Mm -hmm. brains um, and there are survival mechanism for that but in excess, it doesn't feel very good. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you're gonna you can trust yourself that if something is really negative and really tough. You're gonna it's gonna be repeated. You're gonna know it's gonna come up. You don't have to worry about it all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, letting go of some of it and focusing in on some things that are going well because that will that will boost your confidence and your ability to approach other hard situations. Um, with a little bit more confidence, a little bit more ease and less like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to approach this because that mindset kind of, it makes you feel like someone knows better. I don't know enough. Um, and that really isn't, a, it's not, you don't feel very hopeful when you go into a situation like that. Hey everybody, a quick break here to let you know that I have training plans on my website, lindsayhine.com. If you are looking to train for your first marathon, your first half marathon, maybe your fifth marathon and you want a boss to qualify, any of those things, I have four different half marathon training plans for 35 bucks and three different marathon training plans for $45. And they are very detailed. The marathon training plans are 18 weeks. The half marathon training plans are 14 weeks. They start with a nice base build and I'm very conservative with the mileage, but we have a beginner, intermediate, and advanced plan for both. And there is something for everyone. Each plan also has a detailed pace chart. So if you have a certain time goal, that can help you for what kinds of times you might wanna be thinking to hit workout paces at. Um, I wanna read you a review from Alexis Tevens. I used the intermediate marathon plan after a three-ish year hiatus from marathon racing and I brought my PR down from a 328 to a 324 using it again to prep for Chicago. Love everything about it. That's pretty fast though. I mean, seriously, if you're looking to run like a four hour marathon or literally just complete a marathon, these plans are great for you. Go to lindsayhine.com to learn more and check it out. All right, back to the show. I'm thinking about this with one of my kids who once he starts losing control, he thinks it's all over. Like the Mm -hmm. night is ruined. There's no going back. And as that's happening, I'm thinking about that in our own adult lives, how Mm -hmm. we think, oh, I always yell or whatever it is that we don't like that we do. And there's no going back. And it's like, well, just because you mess it up or just because you do it this way in the morning doesn't mean the afternoon has to look like this or doesn't mean that 
you need to label yourself as a yeller or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, I think recognizing that and like marking that and being like, okay, that was the morning and now I'm going to reset, you know, for the afternoon and I'm going to shift my perspective and then almost give your help yourself like imagine like what would it feel like if the afternoon went well mm-hmm. like what would that look like at the end almost imagine it going well so you can visualize that and it versus visualizing it going all downhill we can do that very quickly um all the negative possibilities but give yourself a moment to think okay if i reset take a few moments here like how else could this afternoon, you know, turn out? Like, what are some other possibilities versus it going all downhill? What about when your expectations, though, are like, it will be better and then it's not. And you're like, <laughs> I had it all. I did all the things. And yes. And that's, that's so that's, hard. It's so hard, right? And I think it's that's it's also, right, that double whammy effect of the, our expectations. And I think recognizing they're like, okay. I didn't expect this to go this way. <laughs> this is really tough. And you know what? Tomorrow is another day. And maybe yeah. tomorrow I'll modify my expectations a little bit um, to make them a little bit more realistic. Because I think it always feels better to set our expectations just like a little lower than like like what's actually what we actually think is realistic so that we can kind of surpass them and be like, wow, I was incredible. Right? So I think sometimes we set our, our expectations so high that we have no chance of meeting them. But if we set them just at least like at that realistic or just below <laughs> it, we're like, okay, I did so well today. I'm already setting myself up for this with this vacation we're taking on Friday because I'm like, no, it's not. It's a it's a trip. It's not a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trip. That's a mental expectation there. There's, a, there's the first expectation right there because I'm like, oh, it's gonna be so beautiful and I'm so excited. But I'm like, okay, people are gonna fight. Mm-hmm. people are going to complain in the car because yes. we're driving 10 hours. Like these things are all going to happen. So it's not all going to feel beautiful. No. But I think if you expect to like really soak in and have three beautiful experiences or moments, I think that that might be a more realistic expectation. I love that idea. Yeah. yeah. Like I want to remember three beautiful moments, capture those moments. How did you I- come up with that number? I, for I don't know. I just for me, it feels. I, I feel like it's very realistic and very like possible. Anything higher feels. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes things can you know, trips, vacations with kids are tough, and so I think for three, it's 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 just amazing. It's nice sometimes to like literally capture it, and I will literally capture it and put it on. I've. I'm not sure. So I have next to my computer here. I will literally take pictures of those moments with my kids. Um. I'll show you. Yeah. And I will frame them from a Uh recent trip that I took. This trip was actually could have gone horribly because my son literally broke his wrist. Oh, gosh. On the first day of the trip. So um, that was, you know, a downward. (laughs) That could have been downward. Um, But we made the most of it. And those were I had we had those three beautiful experiences and everyone had a great time. And so it was it was pretty much shifting my own expectations to kind of also help him shift his own mm-hmm. expectations of, okay, because he did go down the like, well, now the trip's ruined, mm-hmm. right? But it's like, no, it's not ruined. We're just going to shift around our expectations. But I think if you're able to do that and then capture it and you're like, okay, I've got these. I want these three like core memories or moments. 
Well, and like you, you get frustrated when you get to the hotel and like your kids are like bouncing off the walls and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like, but like, what else are they going to do? Like, of course they're going to do that. Like, you know, like, yeah, this is like a foreign environment and it's like very exciting and different and freeing and. But it's exhausting for a parent, right? It's like it's a lot of energy. You're like, we just drove. It's a lot. You're exhausted. And it's like they want you to kind of like meet their emotions and be there with them in it. But we're not typically at that same level. And so it's like, yeah, it's so exciting. And like kind of giving yourself like a break or like a pause to like go in the bathroom and like take some like, you know, take a little break for yourself to just take some time to like breathe and kind of reset from the trip like the the drive and kind of be able to meet them where they're at but also knowing that you don't have to have as high emotion as them you don't have to jump (laughs) off the walls we didn't dive into the self-soothing things quite so much can you give some examples of of self-soothing yeah so self-soothing i i tend to look at these are things that you want to do when your emotions are pretty intense like you're feeling kind of difficult emotions usually. And so it's how can I soothe myself? Um, And so usually I I approach it with going to your senses, you know, so what can I smell, like things that you can smell that are soothing. So having a candle, having something, you know, that smells soothing for you, Um, your taste and your touch, like a soft blanket or a dog that you can, you know, rub or anything or soft sweater that you can touch. taste might be like sucking on a candy a peppermint candy or something that feels soothing for you um or drinking a mug of of tea that you know feels warm and you know comforting um and going really going through it like there's sounds that you can kind of do what sights like turning down the lights making things a little bit more soothing for you um as well as kind of affirmations like what do you say to yourself how can you you know remind yourself like this is temporary, this is going to be okay. And having that for yourself. And I really recommend people kind of create this little, you know, menu for yourself of ideas, put it in your phone, like in notes. Mm -hmm. And because in that moment, you're like, okay, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And you're not going to want to do often, you're going to one sense is usually going to be pulling for you. And so it's like, okay, I really need to like, I need to, I need to taste something like, or I need to touch something. You'll, you'll, you'll notice like what you're pulling towards. And if that doesn't work, you try something different. Um, and if you're really overstimulated or overwhelmed, I really like the self-soothing. I really recommend, I believe I've used this so much with my kids and myself is like to help you become more grounded in the moment is you think of the rainbow. So mm-hmm. Roy G. Bev, and you just look around the room. We're going to go with the number three again. Um, you look for three red things, and you go orange and yellow and green and blue and indigo and violet, and then you'll end up white and black and gold and silver. This works tremendously on car rides as well. Okay, um, good to know. Good, good to, to know. know. Yes. Friday. Yes, especially with my son who has motion sickness. Oh. Um, yes, in cars. So we do this a lot. It helps because what it does, it expands your visual perspective makes you kind of look around recognize you're not trapped it also takes Mm. you out of kind of your thoughts so you're cognitively engaged in something and you are feeling a sense of accomplishment right so you're feeling in control so it's a lot of really good things to kind of keep you from escalating your emotions and actually giving your body time to come down and, and really soothe so that's kind of my favorite strategy to use because 
it gives you the time um, to really let your body come, you know, de-escalate from what you're feeling. Yeah, I find that fascinating that you said you have like a natural pull because Mm -hmm. I remember there was a time where like, (laughs) this is going to sound weird, but I, I, when I would have anxiety, like holding like an orange would comfort me. Yes. And I don't know why an orange, like. It might be the the feeling of it or the color or the texture or. Like it it made me feel happier. Yeah. And that, that is for some people, it's like there's something. Actually, orange is like really, when we think about, it's used a lot. It's great that you use orange. It's used a lot for um, like doing mindful eating. And so because it's very slow, kind of okay. the way that you kind of like will peel it uh-huh. and you can take it apart and the way that you can kind of how long it takes you to kind of feel the, the, the taste of uh-huh. the orange. And so that's a very good one because you can touch it. You can smell it. You can see it. It's like really engages all of your uh-huh. senses. Um, so very good one. You just knew naturally what the best one was. <laughs> well, I, I like remember times like walking through the grocery store and just like holding this orange. Like I'd be like walking through the store with my husband. I'm like, I don't know why, but this orange is like really comforting me right now. Yeah. Well, that's like the same thing, like a fidget or something that people uh-huh. like, will hold or something. It's the uh-huh. same kind of comfort. Yeah. Oh it just my goodness. Feels, yeah. You need to get some more oranges around you. When we talk about overcoming however you want to say it, the burnout and, and the self-soothing mm-hmm. and everything. Like we oftentimes feel like we're on this like hamster wheel. And mm-hmm. so it's almost like, how do we even like stop to do those things? Or how do we even use like, I got to get, I got to get the kids to school. Then I got to do this interview. Then I got, you know, you got to do all these things. Yeah. Like how do you even make the time to make sure you're doing it? I think so getting off the, I think first of all, changing the way you look at it is like, that's very draining of like, I need, I got to, I've like, oh, like all these things mm-hmm. versus like, I'm choosing to do these things. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm choosing to drop off my kids. And then just the way that we talk to ourselves, that. you know, cause it's more so like versus like, oh, I'm like, uh, you know, I have to do all this more. So I'm choosing to do mm. these things. And what else do you choose to do? Because I think sometimes with productivity and thinking about getting things done, we don't often, it feels like a sense of dread. Um, and we don't want to do some of the things. And so it's like, okay, what do I, what am I choosing to do? What do I want to do? How will it feel if I do this? And if there are things that I truly don't want to do, looking at the why, like what is holding me back? Mm. And because there's probably something deeper there than just time. There's probably something like, okay, if I do this, what does it mean? Mm. Um, and really just kind of getting curious. I think that's a big thing is like being curious rather than avoiding the things that we kind of feel some resistance towards just saying well why kind of like people with a kid well why what's what are you worried about or what's going on why don't you want to do this um and just asking some questions to yourself yeah why is it so hard to to get motivated to do the thing and then once you do it you feel so good you're like yeah it's done I know well sometimes it's it also is a good distraction from other things that are harder. Yeah. If you're like, oh, I don't want to do this. You're focused on I don't want to uh, do this versus bigger things in your life that yeah. you could be thinking about because yeah. the getting things done is a very common like worry that we worry about. Like I'm not going to be able to finish my to-do list or all this. And it's like that's a lot nicer to worry about than maybe worrying about much bigger issues or yes. concerns. Yeah. So it can also be like oh, kind of a protective mechanism in some ways. There's the other thing with like if there's something a task I'm putting off and I it's like when you were in school even it's like you put it off 
till the last hour but then you're like well now I only have an hour so like I have to just get it done in this hour yeah and sometimes you're like is that a better use of my time but only if you can't if you don't spend time worrying about the fact that you haven't done it first right I know we can get caught in this like worry cycle that kind of if you worry too much sometimes you don't you just have to do the thing and the motivation will follow yeah like don't don't wait for motivation sometimes because you'll be waiting forever that's what I always say about running and exercise. It's like motivation follows the action. You, yes. t- you have to start. And so that is true for so many other things as well. But totally. for yeah. sure with exercise, like, yes, I don't know many people that wake up thinking, I cannot wait to go run. Right, right. It's that feeling that you get at like, the motivation. That's a perfect example. Yeah. will follow. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, people can find you. Yeah. What's your website? My name, so carolynrubenstein.com. Okay. And then on Instagram, I post every day, Carolyn, at, at carolynrubensteinphd. Do you post every day? I do every single day. Once a day. Like, do you have a certain time that, like, this is I when I do it? I used to, but then I've become a little less perfect with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> usually around lunchtime-ish. Um, that's when I have my breaks. Okay. Um, or it's a now that sometimes my breaks are a little later. So sometimes within the day at do some you, like, point create things so that it's like you have like your weeks ready to go I, um, I wish I were that organized I sometimes I am on top of it sometimes I'm not so it really is kind of up and down all over the place I love it though it's like my creative outlet mm. so I, I enjoy it so much and I love like being able to connect with people in that way because it's different you know in private practice you have only a subset of people and yeah this feels like such a great way to be able to like share so much more information um, with others. But what do you do when you're like, I feel dried up. I don't feel like I have anything to say today. Oh my gosh. I don't ever. <laughs> really? That's amazing. But I also am, cause I, I do therapy all day. So, so I'm you're like pulling from like real life experiences. Yes. And I, I mean, real life is like, this stuff is never ending. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's, yeah. And you think about it in a different way or a different kind of visual. I'm such a visual learner. So it's like, just different ways of thinking about the same thing and sometimes someone will be like oh my gosh that makes so much sense and it's just because it's a different way of looking at it um all right what's something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet yeah let's think personally very weird um i Mm -hmm. want to learn sign language i don't know why i've always wanted to and i it's on my bucket list to do for sure professionally I would love to be a professor. Um, okay. But that's I love teaching. Um, I think that's for the like the education part. Mm-hmm. So I would love to be like an adjunct professor, you know, and do that one day. On Come top work of everything else. That is my dream. Yes, <laughs> yes there it is. <laughs> then I'll bring you down to Raleigh and oh. have you run on the greenways with me. Oh my gosh, sounds <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> um, what's the best, most recent book you've read? So it's I read so much fiction. So okay. I was like, oh, but I'm not gonna honestly I don't remember anything that I've read of those. Best nonfiction book that I it's gonna it's a psychology book, but I'm obsessed with it right now. And I think a lot of parents would find it helpful in terms of like thinking about ourselves and approaching ourselves. It's called No Bad Parts. Okay. By Richard Swartz. Which okay. Richard Swartz and it's so good. Um, and it's really about like how to deal with the different parts of ourselves that come out and like how to kind of talk to ourselves um, and to accept these different parts versus criticize. And mm-hmm. it's just really, really good. Oh, I love that. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, because that's really stressful. That's it is. Like, I don't like this about me. I, I like know, right? Like Versus like how do I approach those parts? Yeah, yeah. that's great. 
Yeah. What about a kid's book? Do you have a kid's book you recommend? We read so, so also with my kids, we read like three books a night and oh, we're always yeah. like changing them out. Um, my son's in a different series right now. My daughter is more so. We read like the bedtime stories. We read all those like, you know, motivational ones. I don't have like a favorite. Um, they would probably, they're going to hear this and be like, why didn't you say this? There's so <laughs> many of the funny ones that they love. You know, like there's a monster in your book uh-huh. or um, and what is it? Like the book with no pictures. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have That's that a good one, one too. Yeah. yeah. So like nothing. nothing there you go. You have an answer. I do. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I just read the book, The Boys in the Boat which I've been putting off forever. But I read the last chapter with my son because he was like sitting with me in the morning and I was like, do you want me to read it out loud? Because he was obviously wanted attention and I also wanted to read. Yeah. Um, and I did and he loved it. He was like so into it. Oh, so wow. I actually looked it up and there's a kid's version of the oh, book. What's, the, what's it called? The it's bo- called The Boys in the Boat. It's the about Boys the, in the Boat. I think it's the night, I think it's 1934 um, Olympic gold Ooh. rowing team out of the University of Washington and I it's just a really cool story it's like during the Great Depression oh, and wow. right before the Holocaust wonderful. and the you know Olympics were in Berlin that year so it, it's a lot of a lot of stuff but um, okay that I just sounds- ordered him the kids version he's eight. Oh, that sounds yeah. perfect oh yeah I'm gonna get that um okay two more questions what is a trip or experience you've done with your family that you would recommend Oh, skiing for okay. sure. Aside from the broken rest. Um, <laughs> yeah, for them, I just love being able to like be really active with them and do something as a family act like that and to learn, to watch them learn mm. something new. It just, it really, we've just went for our second time, but it was, it's really for us just been like magical as a family in terms of bonding and growing together and something that my son and daughter can do together. And just, it's, I love it. What's that like though living in Florida? Like, I feel like it's like, do you just rent all the gear or because you yeah, know, kids, you go, you kids grow so fast? Oh, yeah, okay. you rent it. And yeah, and the the clothes and stuff, you will, like, my daughter ended up wearing stuff that my son wore from before. Um, we also have a ton of cousins. Um, yeah, so we like, yeah, we have a lot of people. So we're kind of lucky in that regard. But yeah, yeah. here it's like you're not going to go like, out and why buy. You're going to like have all the stuff. Yes. yes no. No. Um, what's your last message to leave with our audience? My last message would be that you are enough. You're perfectly human and you're doing you, to trust yourself mm. that you know enough. Thank you. You're welcome. That was so nice. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Dr. Carolyn, for coming on the show. Don't forget to check her out on Instagram, Carolyn Rubenstein, PhD. You can learn more on her website, carolynrubenstein.com. You can find this podcast. We are Why Is Everyone Yelling on Instagram. Seriously, though, why is everyone yelling? Uh, And then you can find me personally. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 All the information on this podcast, the show notes from this episode will be at sandyboyproductions.com. You can learn more about this podcast and any of the shows in our network over there. Thank you so much for being here today. Tell a friend about the podcast if you are enjoying it. And we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?